What a weekend the National Predators gave us. This is the Catholic Tonight's Podcast, episode 47, with Chad Minton, Rich Al, and Colin Bluen. As the Predators have tied the series with the Carolina Hurricanes, and we we are vibing. We are vibing going into this new week right now. So much. So much. I don't think I can take many more double overtime games. <laughs> I can't get my like my cardiovascular health. Whoa. We're definitely not going to be able to take an overtime game on um, on Thursday because the game doesn't oh. start till eight thirty uh, local time, uh, nine thirty in the Eastern time zone. Uh, so so there's that. So we got to get ready for that. Uh, we, we're going to need some caffeine for that one. But this is uh, episode forty seven of the Catfish and Ice podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and also presented by DraftKings, our sponsor. Go get the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN for all of your fun sports betting needs. And, of course, we've got NBA playoffs going on right now. It's a lot of fun. We've got uh, big stakes going on, bigger promotions at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You can win $200 right now by uh, just making a simple bet. So go download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $5 into $200 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you can claim $200 in free credits. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. New customers only. Wagers paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, please call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And also call 1-800-GAMBLER if you're in Indiana. And before we get in this press talk real quick, uh, Colin is a diehard Phoenix Suns fan. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, let him profess his love for his (laughs) Phoenix Suns. um, Or in the playoffs, they just beat the Lakers. They just beat LeBron's Lakers. So, uh, yeah. Good. I, I'm a little I'm a little weary because last year in the bubble, LeBron, the Lakers got beat every game one and then went off basically four games in a row. And so I'm hoping that doesn't happen again. But I've been waiting ten years for this as a Suns fan. Like I, I, I need people to understand. Like I saw Barkley back in the day, like in the '90s. Right. When we were living it when I was Ooh, good when, times. I, when I was I was born in Tucson. So like we we would see some of the the early like training games because they would train at U of A and then we'd go to Phoenix and back before America West Arena was even there. Like it, it was. I've seen I've seen the Suns for fall them a long time, and there's been a decade of futility since the Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire era when they kind of broke that broke up the band. Those are the two players and, I was about to bring up was Amari Stoudemire oh, yeah. and uh, Steve Nash. Amari went to the Knicks, and then Steve Nash shortly after went to the Lakers, and just it never was the same. And so it's been uh, a decade. I mean, we had the Colangelos who were owners who were willing to spend money, and then we got the star the star of a guy who does not spend any money but he's got some really good hires lately and he has been spending a little more and now we're seeing it so i gotta enjoy the run while we're on it it's good it's nice to see a playoff not only a playoff win but it's just a playoff appearance because it hasn't been it's been a it's a good time for you years. as a preds so, fan you got the you oh, got yeah. your preds and you got your sons got, rolling for you got, so it's a good time exactly as a diamondbacks fan i'm miserable so i needed that anyways uh, and then you know you, you can't a, you can't win them all can't win them all you tweeted that picture that of the the other day when you're watching the game and you had the Suns game on on your iPad and the Predators. Oh, yeah, game. that was uh, yeah, that was a that was nice good. little set. That was a nice setup you had there, Colin. Oh yeah, it's it's it, it's, it's nice. I think that's probably like guess the uh, the fruit of uh, the only kids we have are dogs, so it's a lot easier to spend on stuff. Wow. It, it was a lot easier to kind of kick back and relax a little bit. But yeah, it was it was tough because like we're in like this double overtime and you never know when something's gonna break. We're also yes. like. I've always said, I've always said it's impossible to watch anything else or focus on anything else when you're watching hockey. Like, no, it is. If you if you I, even like go to the bathroom or go grab a drink in the uh, in the in the in right. the kitchen, that's when something happens. It happens all the time. It's, it's like really it's the hardest sport. Yeah, it's you have to follow well. every. You ha- yeah, we know that. We all know firsthand how hard yeah. it is to live tweet a hockey game. By the oh, time you get, yeah. by the time you get something written and composed and get ready to hit, it's send, something so else has already happened. Like, 
Yeah. Well, then that's what that's what wasn't pictured is I had the iPad for the basketball game and then the big screen I had the the hockey game on. So mm-hmm. also had my phone out because I'm tweeting live tweeting the game for the catfish account. Yep. Um, it was crazy. I got, I got a little bit of a reprieve afterwards, but that uh, later that yeah. night, I mean, what a weekend! National sports. We had a mm-hmm. National SC got a win, so they're yeah, national uh, number four, I think, in the in the tables. So they're doing really hey, well. Hey, don't don't um, be so. overlooking. Do not be overlooking the National Sounds baseball team. Who got also doing win. pretty well. Yep. <laughs> I mean, National Sounds got to win. National I'm, I'm kind of joking. Like, joking there, but the National Sounds, it is nice to have baseball back. But uh, either way, let's 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 let you know what's going on for episode 47 here of the Catfish and Ice podcast presented by DraftKings. Uh, obviously, we got to talk about the great weekend that the Preds just gave us. Uh, they had us sweating it out. They had us uh, worried. Um it's like, okay, two overtime goals in double overtime. If let's say the Canes score those two goals, we're already mm-hmm. talking about the offseason right now. That's how close this is. But instead, we're tied 2-2, going back to Carolina. The team's vibing. Team's vibing. Uh, I kind of – I really I'm hate sorry. that slogan, but they are vibing. They are. <laughs> but either way, we got to talk about it. We got we to gotta start realistically talking about can we pull off this upset. We'll get into it. We're going to talk about UC Soros how historic he's playing right now. That's part of it for sure. And then we're going to talk about some all-time best playoff moments in Nashville Predators history. Just kind of relive some of them, uh, talk about them, remember them, uh, jog our memory there on that. And then also at the end of the podcast, if you download the podcast tomorrow, if you're uh, watching the live stream now, go download the podcast tomorrow. We had John Glennon of uh, Broadway Sports. Previously, he's been with the Tennessean. He's been with the Athletic. He's a Nashville legend when it comes to sports uh, sports journalism. I've been following John Glennon for a long time since my, since I was in high school and college. The guy's a legend. He does great work. He was kind enough to join the podcast with us and uh, talk talk about the Preds and talk about the off season that's coming up as well. So that gives you incentive to go download the podcast tomorrow if you haven't already. So go do that. So uh, let's get right into this, guys. Let's get right into it. I got to say, I just mentioned that they had us sweating it out all weekend, and um, I'm still sweating it out because uh, I don't have an AC unit for my house right now. Literally. It decided, Literally. It decided to go out on me. So if I'm uh, if I'm sweating a little bit and you see a little drips coming off my uh, bald forehead here, uh, it's because <laughs> I'm sitting in a sauna right now in my house while I'm uh, recording this podcast. But it's okay. We're going to tough it out here. Because the Preds have me feeling really good right now. They are they they basically what they're doing in this series is basically what they've done since mid March, which is every time we want to count this team out, they say, "Hey, not so fast, not so fast. We're still in this. Don't count us out just yet." And so uh, that's the number one takeaway for me is just this team cannot be counted out. Colin, give us your thoughts, man. Yeah, I think it, it's kind of the the Dikembe Mutombo, you know, the no, 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 not today. Like they, yeah. they thought we were going to lose in game three. Nope, not today. Game four, not today. But um, it, it's Rosalina. And I got to credit, I think I'm still a little bitter about Hines. I'm still not crazy about how he's kind of reacted and navigated through some of this. I question some of the stuff like, you know, Tanner Janot not being in, but, you know, it is what it is. But I will say, you know, the, as far as the players go, Credit to the players. I mean, the fact that they have navigated this and weathered this as best as well as they have um, to face the adversity they have in Game Three and Game Four, and still be resilient, still be trying. Um, you know, you, you got to respect it. You got to respect the effort and the tenacity that they've shown. So, um, it, it's a crazy ride. It's a wild ride. But where you sat as Nashville sports fans, uh, especially after 2017, and um, you know, we're we're, we're not going to say die. We're one of those teams that's just going to keep fighting and keep trying and we'll see what happens. I think that, you know, game five is going to be interesting because we have to, you know, like you said in the last few episodes, it's not a series until someone loses at home. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to get them. If we, if we want to get past the series, we have to beat them at some point at home. So, yep. and we got to keep winning at Bridgestone. So it's going to be, there's a lot, you know, there, but um, well, a couple of things I'd like to see. I mean, I'd like to see, you back in the lineup. I still, I still kind of want to see Rocco. He's, he's been MIA. I don't know where Rocco is, but I still want to see him. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yep. Yep. Uh, let's, uh, Landry, real quick, uh, Rich, before you go, Landry's on the uh, stream right now. Uh, commented and said, "Props to the Preds equipment guy for giving uh, cu- giving Cunning oh, the yeah. stick there." So awesome. uh, yeah, that was cool. It was cool that they gave him credit for it too. That was really cool. Yeah. So uh, Rich, uh, go ahead with your uh, what you got to say about oh, the uh, game. Say, like, after, after overall the thoughts. Games, 
after the first two games, I was so disappointed that I wrote an article uh, for Predlines that it was like basically lambasting everybody except for John Hines. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and boy, they sure did prove me wrong. They came That's back. That's good. It is good. Not, and I'm fine with it. I'm totally fine with it. They put up quite the fight and it was, it was awesome hockey to watch. It was nail biting down to the last minute. And it was just, it was great. Two, two great wins in a row. Which is unbelievable. I, think, I, th- I think me and you both rich kind of called out the, a lot of people did not just us two. We yeah. called out these uh, high paid players, these players that have been here for a while. Mm-hmm. A lot of these players were a part of the Stanley cup run. We called them out. We said, Hey, earn your money, play like you can make a difference. Take control. Make the plays. We shouldn't yep. have to. We shouldn't have to depend on fourth line guys to make the biggest plays of the game. It should be. It should come down to the Ryan Johansons and the Matt Duchesnes and the uh, Phil Forsbergs, the Roman Yossi's, the Ryan Ellis's, Michael Granlins. These yep. players are the players we need to step up. And there's. It's not like we have a shortage of great players on this team. No. We we have plenty of them. But none of the, for the most part, they were no shows in the first two games. And so naturally, we were all like, wow, this isn't looking good. Like, this is looking bad. And then, just like this press team likes to do, they like to say, hey, we're just not done yet. We're not done with this season yet. We got a little bit more in the tank here. And that's what they did. So I'm right there with you, Rich. They proved me wrong as well by winning those two games. If you look at the guys who scored on Friday night, Ryan Ellis. Forsberg, Granlin, Johansson, and Duchesne. All the, there you go. All the names, the majority of the ones you just mentioned, they all scored a goal. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. And Duchesne's goal was. He sick. hated that so bad. He, he needed that goal so bad. I will say celebration of the week, though, has to be a Luke Cunning swan diving into or stage diving that, into. That a, scared. That that's, when I saw that, though, that scared the crap out of me because yeah. our luck, someone gets hurt. Yep. And it's just like the yeah, but it was a it was a it was a hilarious um, celebration, and, and you yeah. kind of see you see the genuine support for each other with this team when you yeah. see a celebration like that. Like you see how much these players care about each other. That's yeah. that's something that's really cool about that. This team is a tight knit group of players, and it's it's really awesome to see. Yeah, Mike Twitter just said uh, when Conan jumped up. Carrier was the one who was catching him, and he landed so hard it knocked Carrier's helmet off. <laughs> yeah. And Landry, Landry, we do not need Lucas Pisa in this lineup. We're gonna let you be alone. Jersey. We're gonna let we're gonna let you be alone on that island. Uh, I need a, I need a Spisa jersey bad. Well, well, I'm gonna buy you one, Rich. You're getting one. Your I will, wear it. I will go one. to a thing and wear it proudly too. I'm gonna look for it at the thrift store first, though. Is that okay? Yeah. I think we right. have to probably get that one made. That would be a couple. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, uh, so another thing about the game is obviously this goes without saying, the penalty kill has stepped up. Oh, this, yeah. This penalty kill that, that – I got to get Colin credit here because he's been talking about this penalty kill. Mm-hmm. You go back multiple episodes, even before the playoffs started, I guarantee you we have talked about this. The penalty kill is gradually getting better. They're creeping along. I'm not saying they've turned into an elite penalty-killing team, but we, they've been getting much better, and we've been hinting on it in past episodes, and that's the difference maker in this series right now is they are – because the, the Canes, I know that Rod, that, uh, RB, Rod Brendamar is crying about how the, the penalties are lopsided and whatnot, but the Canes have still gotten their chances on the, on the power play. It's not like they haven't gotten plenty of chances – and for the most part, the Preds penalty kill has stepped up. They they've clogged lanes, they've blocked shots, uh, they've done what they can. So, well, it's the most improved unit, you know, in terms of the team, in terms of just the, the metrics of it. I mean, the penalty kill is playing up to, and I don't want to get people too excited here, but the numbers are on par with what what it looked like in 2017. So you know, take that for what you will, but it's also the best from the regular season transition to the playoffs. It's the best numbers wise improvement we've made. Um, and we start, we saw this improvement going into this. So it's, it's nice to see them finally figure it out. Cause I mean, we all remember that Dallas seven, nothing thrashing. Like don't, that, uh, that, was, that uh, was, it was brutal. And to hold uh, this team, the, this Carolina Hurricanes team 
number one, number one, floats between number one and number three in the power play to hold them to what we've held them to is just, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's going so to, that's going to define the series. Let, let's listen to this. The first, uh, I wrote this down. The first uh, six games, so the six games that the uh, Hurricanes beat the Predators in the regular season, they won the first six in the series. Listen mm-hmm. to what they went for on the power play. Nine of 21 for a 43.8% clip. That's pretty good. That's pretty good for a power play, if you're asking me. That's how how good – that's how much the Canes power play dominated the Preds penalty kill, 9 of 21. They had a couple games where they went – one game where they went three for three, another game where they went two out of three. Uh, They A lot of – I went back and looked at all those goals they scored on the power play. They were back-breaking goals in those games. So the Preds lost all six of those games. Uh, in this series, uh, the uh, Hurricanes have uh, only had two power play goals. And so um, out of four games, got to take that and run with it. Yeah. It's big. It's big. It, it's, it's something. So, I mean, that's that's <laughs> going to define the series, really, if, if we can, gotta if keep, we can it keep it up. up. Yeah, yeah, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, and also to give credit to uh, – this is going to kind of lead us into our next segment here. But um, – UC Saros is obviously a big part of that penalty kill. If you get great goaltending, it can make your penalty kill look even better. Yeah. But and so we're not over. We're not going to gloss over what UC Saros is doing on the penalty kill. And um, I had a lot of t- extra time on my hands t- today, so I actually went back and looked at some of the some of the plays that happened on these power plays. And you're seeing um, you're seeing a joint effort here. It's UC Soros making critical saves, but you're also seeing guys like Ryan Ellis on the penalty kill make a big block. You're seeing Eric Holland make big blocks. You're seeing uh, you're seeing crucial faceoff wins in the zone. Like you're seeing other things going on that's just making this penalty kill all of a sudden be serviceable. And it couldn't be a better time to ask for it than right now against the Canes, who had the second best uh, power play over the regular season. So that's a big part of this right now that we've been able to not get ran out of the building. Yeah. That's true. And so, uh, yeah. And then also the, um, the hits, obviously this, this series has been very physical, uh, which we expect in playoff hockey, but I've looked at some of the other hit numbers in some of these other series, and they're not racking up nearly as many hits as this series. Uh, There's been a, there's been a couple games where the hits combined have reached, triple digits between the two teams. And so you got to expect these penalties to keep coming. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. I, it, it's going to be another special teams game on, on uh Tuesday. I'm, I'm expecting uh, it just, it's still, you can't ask a team to just completely change the way they play all of a sudden. And the way the Preds play, they unfortunately take penalties sometimes. And so um, you got to see that going differently. You think there's a way for maybe the Preds to play more disciplined without um, jeopardizing the way they play. They've done it before. I mean, they, you know, they toward the end, of, like when they beat Carolina to get in the playoffs, you know, they played a yep. really good defensive game, Janot, which like I'm, I definitely would like to see him back in the lineup. But, um, you know, he, he was hit, putting some hits on some guys and, and not, and doing it clean. And that's, that's exactly what they have to do because the referees, man, they look like they're really hot to put their arm up. So, Oh, yeah. Well, especially after you know RBA kind of made his comments, you know they're there. It felt, especially yesterday, like they were looking for some stuff, and that that was frustrating. But that's just the nature of the beast with the playoffs, and and a coach can get into referees' heads too, just like they can get the players' heads. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we're still going to continue to see stuff, just because it's on the radar, it's on the ether, and really we have to kind of weather the storm and be prepared for the kill. But also, I mean, we got to prepare. Our, we got to be better prepared on our power plates. I mean realistically we know that's where that's our achilles heel like we have to get better we can't we can't allow it to be what it's been you know thus far so we'll see if we can make the adjustments but you know when we have those opportunities we gotta maximize the preds the the preds did score uh, a power play goal in each of the last two games but of course the friday night game they went one for seven they got seven power play attempts which was what kind of prompted rba to get so mad and get so uh whiny but the one but, that got was a five on three. So. But let's be let's be honest here about something, and I'm not being biased here. I'm not, but I watched almost all those penalties called on the Hurricanes on Friday night, and almost all of them were penalties. 
So maybe you need to talk to your crew about being a little bit smarter defensively mm-hmm. and not yeah. just not don't just focus on how many power plays one team got and one and how much your team got. It's not always that simple about, oh, they got more than we did, so that must be referee bias. No, no, no. You got to actually look at each penalty and say with a with a, a very unbiased opinion, were those penalties? That's how I feel mm-hmm. about it. Here's the thing with the, with you know the National Predators like we know where we stand we know that we're not you know the talk of the league like a Carolina is or you know like an Avs or, or even a Vegas but the thing is like that's the way they have to think about it. if you're gonna get past us it's not gonna get any easier against an Avalanche or a Vegas you're gonna be no. the team they're gonna call penalties no. against I mean it, it, they're just yeah. they're more disciplined if you watch those other teams play they are more disciplined obviously um, <laughs> the Avalanche have had some penalty issues and some uh, some. Uh, fines and some penalties from uh, one of their centers, but we're not going to get into that. But I mean, realistically, like you're going to move on to opponents that are way tougher and you can't blame them on penalties. The winners make winners find ways to win. Losers find ways to make excuses. That's how we look at it. There's going to be a really tough opponent waiting for them after this uh, series, whichever one probably going to be Tampa. It's the hardest, it's the hardest team trophy to win in sports. I mean, it is. I mean, it's like, congratulations. Like, let's say the Preds do get through this series. It's going to feel great. We're going to all be jumping up and down. Be like, oh, my God, they actually did it. But, I mean, you have no time to rest. You have no time to – and it's going to be the same for the Hurricanes if they win – if they end up winning this series. There's no time to rest. You've you've got, like, maybe a small amount of time to celebrate right after you win that game and and eliminate the other team. But the Stanley Cup playoffs are so brutal. They're so – they're such a grind. And, uh, you know, so – let, let's go ahead and just keep focusing on the Hurricanes here. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, it's going to be – the Preds are going to have to keep playing well on special teams with their penalty kill because, like Colin just said, they're going to keep taking penalties. I, I just think that's how this team is wired. I, I know they're trying to tone it down a little bit, but you can't ask an aggressive team and a team that plays with their chip on their shoulder to suddenly not play the way they play. Mm-hmm. And the way they play, unfortunately, leads to some penalties – and that's why you have to zero in on playing very sound, smart, defensive hockey when you are on the penalty kill. And that can change everything. And, and that leads us into our next segment, which is uh, UC Soros no. and how he is uh, playing like he can steal a series. And not only steal a series, but steal multiple series. I wish I had the sound bite that we could insert in here. But uh, our guy Barry Melrose, Barry Melrose of ESPN, He's a, he's, he's a legend in his own right when it comes to talking about hockey. And he's oh. never really been he, – he'll never be a type of an, national analyst that is a homer when it comes to the Preds. This guy picks mm-hmm. against the Preds every chance he gets. But he came out and said after – I want to say it was, yeah, yesterday. He came out after the Preds won and tied the series 2-2 two to two and said, UC Soros is the best goaltender in the playoffs right now and that he could – He's playing on a level they could steal a Stanley Cup for the Preds. Oh. He didn't say steal a series. He wow. said steal a Stanley Cup. He wow. said it. We will. I will go find that clip if I can and retweet it on the podcast after we get done recording. He said it. I heard it with my own, own ears, and I could not believe he said it. But that's what he said. <laughs> that's and so uh, that's what he that's said. Almost, that's bold. That's, almost, that's bold. Much, yeah. That is a very bold, bold. take. <laughs> but when you have a UC Soros who just had back-to-back fifty-plus save performances, yeah. um, you don't. I'm sorry. I, there's going to be people who are going to disagree with me on this. Uh, if we don't have UC Soros in net, and we have an ordinary goaltender, just an ordinary goaltender, not a bad goaltender, an ordinary goaltender, the Preds are swept right now. Oh well, yeah. they would have never made it into the playoffs. Well, I mean, look at his numbers. He's got over 100 well. saves in two games. Yeah. So that that's yeah. true as well, Rich. They wouldn't even be here. But let's say hypothetically they made they it made in it. somehow, and they still yeah. played the Hurricanes with no UC Soros. They they're getting swept, and it's not. I'm not trying to to um, criticize the players that are on the team. Like Forrest, it's just you see it with your own two eyes. You see what's going on. You see the Hurricanes getting all these great chances. You see these highly skilled offensive players that the Hurricanes have. They just have so many guys that can just burn you. And you got some dudes. Right, and Soros yeah. is literally neutralizing these guys right now. Yeah. So on Friday night, he tied the franchise record for most saves in a playoff. 
It's 52 saves. It was, uh, I think, Dan Ellis is what I read. Yeah, Dan Ellis. But then then Sunday night, crushed it, 58 saves. 58 saves. I mean, we talk about him stealing a game. He stole that game. Because if you look at shots, the shots on goal was 61 to 43. That's insane. I mean, that's just crazy. And uh, I wish I would have looked it up before we went – I wish we, I wish I would have looked this up uh, go, before we went live, but I would I would venture to say, can't confirm this until I actually look it up, or if one of you guys want to try to look it up, I could venture to say that the Hurricanes are vastly uh, getting more high danger chances than the Preds are in this series. I'm sure it's a oh. wide gap. Well, uh, and- if you look at the Sunday night stats, there's another stat. So the Hurricanes had 15 block shots. The Predators had 31. So that's 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 big too. That's a huge number. Yeah. Well, yeah. So some people blocking just, with their faces too. They sure were. <laughs> yes, they were, and they're getting hit in the face. Tolvanen got hit in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, we want to talk about penalty. We want to talk about penalties. Yeah. The fact that they can't review a slash because you know, oh for my whatever gosh. reason, that, uh, that, was, that, that was so dumb. Yeah, so that didn't make any sense to me. Let's talk about that for a second because that that was a big moment in the game right there. So. Eckholm, a friendly fire. Eckholm, uh, Eckholm's stick gets up on uh, Tolvanen, but as he's skating, uh, who was it that uh, who was it on the Hurricanes again? Refresh my memory. Was it was it him or was it? I thought it was Stall. It was a Stall. I want to say. Honestly, it doesn't matter which player it was. The point is, is the player, the player, the player's stick clearly came up and hit Tolvanen, and. You saw arguments from the other side, from the Kane side, not so much like players, but like fans on social media saying, oh, well, the only reason that stick hit him was because Tolvanen wasn't skating in a normal position because he was already holding his face. And I'm like, okay. that's when you're that's when you're splitting hairs. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. A penalty is a penalty. The guy's stick came up and hit, clearly hit Tolvanen's helmet, hit him. It was a, It should have been called. It wasn't called. I don't want to dwell on it too much, but it was a bad call. And that's what well, we talked you know, about. Consistency with uh, NF- NHL officiating is, is a bad problem. Yeah, that rule is ridiculous. Well, and they'd be just as frustrated if it happened to them. I mean, let's be honest here. Like, we all yeah. saw it. The guy comes yeah. up. I mean, he gets hit. He gets whacked in the face. Like, come on now. I think yeah. I think if the way the way the ref called it, had he not called it that way, then it would have been a two-minute penalty at least for the, for the high stick. But, it, but because of the way they called it, that's what made it. It had to be all or nothing. That's the way I found that out. I didn't know that. I, I looked at people saying the, what the rule actually was. So it had to be an all or nothing because of the way he called it the first time. It's been a it's been a rough series for Elliot Tolvanen. It's been rough since he came back from injury. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm glad he's in the lineup because this is great for him. I don't think he's necessarily a liability out there. This is a great. No. This is a great experience for him. We're going to be leaning on this guy heavily in the future. And so I don't think he's costing us any any problems, but we really do need to see him uh, break through there and get a goal at some point um, and, and kind of ignite this power play like we hoped he might. But um, mm-hmm. it's been a rough series for him, for sure. Yeah. But um, going back to UC Soros, look at this. So all four games in this series, he's made 171 saves on 184 shots faced for a 9-2-9 save percentage. And that's counting the first game where he gave up four goals. Mm. So, really, these last three games, he has just been insane. Yeah, so after after every game, uh, our friend Max Ritz, Predlines writer, he always says, Pay UC Saros this much, and after every game it goes up. I think he's up to like nine million now. He's like, pay him nine million. UC Saros is going to be a very, very rich man if we go off that scale. We absolutely will. Well, he's well. Saros has already pretty much locked up his franchise goaltender status for the Preds. There's no disputing that. No matter what happens the rest of this series, he has pretty much put that that issue to to bed. And it's whatever, whatever, whatever. Whatever uh, reservations yeah. we had, whatever reservations we had about UC Soros as this franchise goaltender, they yeah. are gone. Yep. Yeah. Remember when, they, they, have to drafted, when they drafted uh, Askarov, we were like, "Oh, there you go. There's, that's going to be your franchise goaltender." 
like now so much. <laughs> might, might, be, well, uh, might be in a few years, but we'll cross that bridge. When, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. We got a couple saying, years. Of years we're all like, Sorry, but, um, watch out. Real quick before we go into the next segment, which is uh, we're going to talk about some playoff moments that have really stood out in the Preds history. Again, this is episode 47 of the Catfish on, on Ice podcast with Chad Mitten, Rich Howe, and Colin Bluen. We are vibing tonight. I don't care that I'm uh, sitting in a sauna, which is my house right now. It's fine because the Preds are winning and they're giving us playoff hockey. They're giving us playoff success. We're seeing that Bridgestone Arena crowd. Once again, be crazy. We're seeing Taylor Lewan chug beers. Oh man, we're yeah, seeing we're seeing uh, we're seeing Keith Urban and Car- and uh, Keith Urban and uh, Nicole Kidman show up and just making a little little convenient little appearance. We're seeing uh we're seeing just really what playoff hockey is like in Smashville. Uh, we're seeing Carrie Underwood out there with Mike Fisher. It's just it's great to see. It's awesome. We're seeing the the Preds charity smash car. Just all those playoff traditions. That the Preds have the catfish on the ice, uh, which uh, you know we had to throw that in there if we're the catfish on ice podcast. Yeah, but um, I couldn't leave that part out. But um, no. it's just great to see. And yeah. so um, I don't care that I'm sitting in eighty degree uh, heat right now in my own house. It's fine. I'm okay. You are, you are glistening a little bit. I'm glistening. Uh, yeah, you can probably yeah. see your reflection in my head right now, Rich. No, it's not in your head. It's like under your eyes a little bit. Oh it's yeah, little well, uh, I'll I'll survive. I'll make it. I, I, <laughs> hey, this is what we do for the podcast. We that's we right. go out there yeah. and we lay it on the line just like the Preds did over the weekend. That's what we have to do right now. And that's what we're gonna do and, Thursday night when we're recording this at like three in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I got a, yeah. I got, I got four. I got a short list of four players, real quick, that I want to list off. We don't have to go deep into these players, but I want to give them a shout out. These are four players that I, and there's more, but this is just my short list. Players where I'm like, wow, you guys have stepped up. You, I've criticized you in the past, and you know what? You're making me eat some crow, and I love to see it. Quick list right here. You probably know who I'm going to say: Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson, Ryan Ellis. And Luke Cunning. Now, I haven't criticized Luke Cunning, so I'm going to throw him out of the criticism thing, but he's still on my short list of players who are just – I mean, how about Luke Cunning, guys? This guy, yeah. this has turned out to be such a great move by David Poyle, such a crafty move. And it, Yeah. And especially to, to, deal, to deal Nick Bonino for Luke Cunning, a much younger, unproven player, to deal that – at the time, we were like, okay – um, yeah, okay, I kind of see what you're. I kind of see what you're doing here, but uh, I mean, I was kind of excited about it at the time, but I just didn't know a lot about Luke Cunning at the time. So I was kind of like, okay, this is kind of a weird move, but it might work. Poyle looks like a genius now. He sure does on that, on that one. On that one. So yeah, I was that's say, my on short that list. Let's, <laughs> we got to qualify it a little bit there, but yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> all those players you mentioned, though, they all got goals. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, the veterans are stepping up. That's what we needed. Johansson got multiple. Kind of got multiple. That's great. Ryan Johansson's looking like 2017 before he got hurt, uh, Johansson. He's, he's the body. He is. He's laying the body out. He's he's using speed. He's using physicality. Um, he's not a no-show. If, if he's nothing not else, he's, he's not disappearing. Like Because that's the problem I've had with Johansson going back to last season was this guy was just disappearing. You can't be a first-line center and disappear mm-hmm. on me. Nope. And he yep. was having these disappearing acts. He's not doing that now. He's very involved. He's very active. He's showing that I don't necessarily think he's a first-line center on on a lot of your great elite teams, but he's, he's at least stepping up and showing that he has a spot on this team. So the kind of center they can win you games. I mean, and the same way with Duchesne too. Duchesne has been stepping up mightily. I think Duchesne listened. He knows all the criticism that's out there. He's heard it from multiple angles, multiple sides, and I think that he's hungry too. But when you have two center, well, I guess not two centers, but at least two forwards in them that, that do what they need to do. Um, I mean, that top line. I really that's one thing we kind of didn't touch on is the fact that they're put back together. We had the uh, Johansson and Duchesne together with Forsberg on that side. And does it put us a little bit top heavy, you know, in terms of our offensive skill positions? Maybe a little bit, although Granlin stepped up with Tolvanen. Um, mm-hmm. But really, like that line looked dangerous. I mean, we've not skated that well through the neutral zone, unless it was against like the Detroit Red Wings. You're, you're keeping that top line. You're keeping that top line together. You have to. You got to roll with it. I mean, I that's, that's well. well well, now that we're uh, dishing out some credit to people, let's di- let's dish out some credit to Hines for making that move to put D- Duchesne up there. That was not an easy move. That was not some 
like, oh, that's a no-brainer. You do that. No, that because Duchesne, to, for him to do, make that move, for Hines to make that decision, he's banking that Duchesne's not going to fold. Yep. Yeah. And and so, uh, I, I you know, there, there was a lot of uh, different Preds analysts out there uh, who were saying, what kind of sense does it make to have Duchesne on a third line with a uh, Brad Richardson or with a uh, these these players that don't have a ton of offensive skill? And so uh, they were right. Because now yeah. Duchesne's playing with more offensively skilled players, and he looks like a new player again. He looks like uh, Columbus Blue Jackets Matt Duchesne that uh, in the playoffs. And that's what we need out of him. That's what we need out of him. So, um, yeah, I just want to give some love to those players because uh, it's not all UC Soros. It's mainly UC Soros. Uh, <laughs> let, let's go. If we're, cutting a, if, we're cutting, if we're cutting a pie right now, I'll go 75% Soros, 25% everybody else. But um, – um, Either way, in two games. <laughs> all our guys, all, our guys, all the big guys stepped up, and that's exactly what they needed to do. And that's what we were, that's what we've all wanted to see this whole time. And they're finally doing it, and they just yep. keep it. That's yep. exactly what needs to happen. So, all real right. quick, before we move on, Landry had a question. Do you think the Canes are doubting themselves after two overtime losses and can't get anything past Soros? What do you guys think? Dude, I hope so. <laughs> I definitely, well, I don't know if they're doubting themselves. I definitely know that. They've got to be feeling the pressure because this is not a battle-tested playoff team. They're right. new to this. This this group is new to this moment. Like they haven't. This isn't like we're playing the Blackhawks in 2017, where that team had been together for a while. They right. knew they you know they, they they've done it. They've been down the grind. The Canes, as talented as they are, and I do think they have as much crap as that we just gave RBA. I do think he's one of the best coach up and coming wow. coaches in the league. Yeah. And they and they do have some good good goaltending as well. They check all the boxes as far as special teams, scoring, defense, all that stuff. So, but they just haven't been in this moment. So yeah. you got to wonder: Are they going to choke? Are they going to um, have a hard time dealing with with the momentum swing? And they they're up against a team that might be less skilled, but they're up against a lot of veterans that are playing right. like they got nothing playing like they got nothing to lose. Honestly, yeah, right. Yep. Well, it's not only that; it's the fact that you know the, the pressure has been on them all along. They were, you know, they were the ones that were picked to to win, you know, in five games or however many games, and they were the ones that were picked to. And we we weren't we weren't given any chances by pretty much anybody. You look at the no. ESPN; all sixteen of their NHL analysts picked the Canes. And so we said, you know, a couple episodes ago, we're playing with house money, right? And I think really the Canes too. Bit. Yeah, yeah, add one I mean, to that list, 17. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, a lot of people did. So it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, we're, we're playing with house money. We know that. The pressure is on them. I mean, the, pre, the Preds, every time they win, they're just exceeding expectations. Whereas the Canes, every time they lose, it's like, okay, there's more pressure. You're supposed to you're supposed to beat these guys easily, and they haven't done it yet. So it's on them. I think yeah. it's on them. I think That's the pressure is on them. That's a good question, Landry. It was. The pressure is on those guys, and I think it's going to show – in the next game, I think it's going to be rough. I'm just picturing it; it's not going to be pretty. So, especially if they struggle, it's yeah. not a bold. It's not. It's not a bold take at all. But I do think that whoever wins Game Five is going to win the series. That's, I mean, I, that's I mean, that's two out of three at this point. So, I feel like I feel like Game Five is going to be just another slugfest again. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see those hit numbers go back up to the way it was in Game One. And I wouldn't be surprised to see um, both teams really lay it all out there. And then whoever is able to be lucky enough to claim that win and go up 3-2, it's gonna, the, the loser is going to really have like a lot taken out of them mm-hmm. when it comes to being able to get – because you've got to think, these teams have already gone through a condensed 56-game schedule. And, yeah. you know, it's like – you know these guys got to be gassed. You know that they're going on fumes. They're going on fumes right now. So if you get to that point where you're on the brink of your season being over, elimination game, game six, with the way this series is going, I just don't know. No matter which team wins game five, I think that the team that loses is going to have a hard time winning game six. So yeah, yeah that's fair. And I think whoever whoever wins is going to have a hard time going into the next series. Oh yeah. Their 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 little window of rest just keeps getting shorter and shorter. So let's go into I mean, the uh, finish your thought, Colin. 
I don't, I don't disagree, but at the same time, we all know Smashville's got some magic to it. So, I mean, they could oh, yeah. lose in Carolina, but with you know with coming back to Bridgestone, I mean, that doesn't mean they're not going to win the series. I mean, if we had to go back there, That's true. it's going to be really hard. But Smashville's a magical place right now. I mean, the, seeing the crowd, I mean, the, I, I love that we were able to show on a national screen. like Because we yeah. always heard, we, we heard, you know, Carolina's got one of the biggest crowds, and what an energetic crowd. I'm like, that's cute. That's really cute. Let's see what Bridgestone looks like. And Bridgestone blew the roof off that place. So shout out to them. Yeah, let's, do a, let, let's do a quick NHL scoreboard update, and then we're oh, going to go yeah. to the last segment real quick. Uh, this is uh, episode 47 of the Catfish on Ice podcast uh, presented by DraftKings. Get the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Uh, you can bet $5 on any NBA team to win a playoff game, and you will win $200 coming back to you. So it's a great deal with our promo code for new users on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Quick over a quick uh, Stanley Cup playoff scoreboard update. Uh, we've got the Penguins and the Islanders heading to a second overtime, yep. tied two to two. That series is tied two to two. So um, I know yeah. what I'm going to. I know what I'm going to be turning on when we finish recording here. Yep. If that game's still going on, we got the Panthers up three to one on the Lightning. They're trying to stay alive in That's that you. series, and you got Spencer Knight. Spencer Knight, the Team USA. A world juniors goaltender who has only given up one goal in this game to the Lightning, and uh, so that's a pretty cool development there. Spencer Knight's made thirty. Spencer Knight's got thirty-four saves on thirty-five shots right now. So that's a pretty that's a pretty awesome development there. And then the uh, Oilers are down two to one, and they are in a lot of danger of getting swept. By the Winnipeg by the Winnipeg Jets. So I watched the end of that game last night. That was insane. They were down that, four to two. And they scored in like two goals yeah. within like two minutes. It was insane. What a crazy development that would be if the Oilers got swept by the by the Winnipeg Jets. And then we still got uh, let's see, the Maple Leafs beat the Canadians two to one, so they're up two one in their series. And then we still got Vegas and Minnesota uh, later tonight, and Vegas is going for the elimination of the Minnesota Wild. Yep. So that's our scoreboard update. Uh, we're running crunch. We're crunched for time, so we really don't have time to talk about those games as much as we would love to. Because we got, we're gonna round out episode forty-seven, uh, this segment of episode forty-seven, I should say, with um, with some playoff moments, real quick. And a lot of our diehard Preds fans already know some good ones. And um, I think the first one we have to talk about, which is the most recent one, was when the Preds knocked out the Ducks in two thousand seventeen uh, to go to the Stanley Cup. Oh yeah, that was that was big. It was it was. I mean, I mean, just the the energy you could start to see build on Broadway. That was like when Broadway really had its moment in terms of just the energy coming alive. I mean, it was already kind of getting pretty hyped because we had already been the you know the Blackhawks. We'd already been was it, I think the Blues, right? And then you know yeah. to be in that situation where we'd never advanced past the second round before, and then to not only do that, but keep going, keep going, especially because the Ducks had a very hateable team back then. Like Corey Perry, was, uh, Corey Ryan Perry. Kessler. Yeah. Like, it was, it was Kessler. Bunch of jer- you want to talk yeah. about a bunch of jerks. There you go. So <laughs> it, it was good to – man, that one felt good. That one felt really good. Yeah. Uh, and that was a series where, I mean, that, that clinching game in game six, I mean, it could have gone either way. I remember it. It was, it was so rough. And I was, I kept thinking, like, if we don't figure out how to win this game six, I'm like petrified that we're going to lose game seven. And now correct not me if I'm make, wrong, make the Stanley Cup. Our leading goal scorer was that Pontus Aberg that year or that, that that series? He was definitely a big part of that run. He was, uh, okay. uh, we can go back and look that up uh, real quick before we uh, close it out. Let's but, uh, finally, yeah. But yeah, that, I mean, was that was a, that, that was a big one. Uh, Aberg definitely had some good moments in the playoffs for the Preds. Uh, I can pull it up like real quick, we, but uh, that was when we needed to like, especially because that was when the injuries started creeping up too. That was the big like issue at hand was that we were losing guys like Johansson, Fiala, and so those younger guys that we had not really a lot of people hadn't seen yet had to step up for us to be able to actually be contenders against them, and they did yeah. just that. So it was it was man, that was a a good time. Uh, another one I got is the triple overtime win by Mike Fisher. Uh, to beat the San Jose Sharks, that was on uh, in uh, May fifth, two thousand sixteen. Um, Mike, Fitt, that was a so a three overtime game. I was watching that with my buddy at the time, who wasn't a big hockey fan. He was trying to get into it. He was a big MMA guy, so he mm-hmm. he appreciated the physicality of hockey and all that. He loved watching the hits, 
but I was still having to explain the game to him and stuff. And um, I just remember we were up till like two in the morning of watching this game. And this guy had to get up for work the next day, I'm pretty sure. And he did not want to go to bed. He's like, I have to keep watching this with you. Like, this is like the craziest <laughs> thing I've ever watched in my life. And we stayed up and I, I kept telling him like, dude, this game has to end sooner or later. And uh, Fisher gets loose in the slot and and knocks it in. And I just remember I was up for like another two. Like I couldn't go to sleep. Oh, yeah. that night. Like I was like, I was buzzing. It was crazy. That whole series was crazy. Even though yeah. the Preds actually lost that series to the Sharks, they had another big overtime win in that series uh, with uh, – got it right here. Uh, yeah, that same series, uh, Victor Arvidsson scored a game-winning goal in overtime to send it to um, to send it to uh, game seven. And so uh, that was another big one. Colin Wilson had five goals in those playoffs. So uh, that was Wilson. just – that was a that was a big series, even though they got eliminated, and so that's kind of when he knew the Preds were coming. That's when he knew, okay, this team is 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 here to stay, and so another big playoff moment there. Uh, going back into the archives a little bit, uh, 2011. I don't know if uh, Rich probably doesn't remember this guy because he wasn't watching the Preds yet. Jared Smith Smithson was no. a one of those guys that would just randomly score these dirty goals. He would he like wouldn't score for like 20 games. And then he would randomly score like a clutch goal. He scored a game winner uh, to uh, in, in route to the Preds winning their first playoff series ever against oh, wow. the. Yeah, so that was a big goal for him to get a game winner. Uh, David Legwan eliminated the Red Wings in 2012 to uh, to to uh, to get a playoff series win against the Red Wings. So that was like the that was our biggest rival for the longest time was yeah. the Detroit Red Wings, and David Legwan was like the prodigal son like the player we all loved because he was the first draft pick and so to see him eliminate the red wings yeah. was um was a big deal and oh, yeah. so um yeah. i'm not serious i mean that was uh was it mike babcock no it wasn't yeah it wasn't mike babcock at that yeah time. it was Matt. oh yeah i mean we that was our that was the thorn in our side we we have faced them so many times and to finally be able to get the win and to see, and it, it was almost like defeating the evil empire like, oh, like yeah. they were just oh, – they yeah. were like – they weren't a dirty team per se. They were a very highly skilled team that yeah. um, we – like you said, a thorn in our side. And so to finally see us slay the dragon and, and beat them because they were big brother, we were little brother, to yep. beat them and to see Babcock with his uh, – with I mean, he was just a goon. Like no one liked him. Yeah. To see him – to see him walk – to see him walk off the bench with the Preds Knocking them out of the playoffs was just Good like all, all time great moment, all time great moment for sure. So the Preds don't have a ton of uh, all time great playoff moments, but those are just some of the ones we remember. We ho- we're hoping that we got plenty more coming on the on the way here. I, I definitely, I definitely think the Preds just gave two to add to that list this past weekend in less That's than forty eight hours. In less than a forty eight hour span. Uh, That's what I was going to say. In a couple of years, we, we're going to be still talking when we say this again, when we do this again and yeah. say playoff moments, we're going to be like, so we gotta, hey, remember back in 2021 when uh, yeah. Matt and Luke Cohen scored double overtime goals back to back? So we're about to we're about to round out episode 47 with our interview with John Glennon of uh, Broadway Sports. He's going to round out the end of the episode uh, when you go download it tomorrow if you're watching on the live stream right now. And uh, he basically said that he he told he was like, look, let's put this in perspective here. Not only did the Preds win back to back double overtime games, but they did it in less than forty eight hours from each other. Yep. Because you had the uh, primetime game on Friday, and then you had the one thirty in the afternoon start. So this was like a quick turnaround. So definitely all time great playoff moments in less yep. than a forty eight hour span. You see, deserves some orange slices. <laughs> oh my gosh, man! Get the, get the guy some it's just, yeah, it's crazy. crazy stuff. It was, it was so exciting, and just I can't take much more of the double overtime. <laughs> well, especially if we if we do a double overtime, you know, on Thursday night, good good lord, we're gonna be record, we're gonna be yeah, we're gonna be recording by three a.m. So yep, yep, can't I can't do it. <laughs> That'd be ugly, but hey. We'll, we'll get we'll get some we'll get some get some caffeine. we'll get some caffeine. we'll see what happens. Unfortunately, Colin are in the Eastern Time Zone. I'm in the Central Time Zone, so it's even yeah. worse for them. But we will figure yeah. it out either way. We'll be back for you on Thursday. 
let's let's go ahead and be uh, really optimistic here and say that episode forty eight we might be reacting to the Preds going to the next round. I'm gonna go ahead and yes, say sir. it now. It could happen. Maybe we'll see what happens. But until then, until then, until then, uh, leave you with our uh, interview with John Glennon of Broadway Tennessee Sports. And uh, so enjoy that interview with him. It was a great interview. We were honored to have him join the podcast. The guy has a busy schedule covering the Preds, covering the Titans, covering National SC. The guy never stops covering national national sports. So we really just are honored that he had carved out some time to join us. So stay tuned for that interview on the podcast. And until then, this is Chapman, Colin Bloom, and Rich Howe. This is episode 47 of the Catfish Eyes Podcast. Alright, welcome back to the Catfish and Ice Podcast, episode 47, presented by DraftKings. Go get the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use our promo code THPN to have a lot of fun with Daily Fantasy and with all the other uh, sports betting going on in Tennessee. This is uh, Chad Mitten, your host, and I am, we're being joined by uh, John Glennon of Broadway Sports, who covers the National Predators and also covers the Tennessee Titans. And I can say personally as a Nashville native that this is an honor to have you on the show, John. I've been following your work for a long time, big fan of your work. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well, Chad. Appreciate the appreciate the kind words. Loving this uh, loving this playoff hockey that's going a little, uh, uh, putting it a little bit more than, than we thought yeah. it would time-wise. But uh, that, that's, that's okay. Makes it all the more exciting, right? Definitely. Um, Preds hockey is exhausting, maybe in a good way, but it is exhausting. Um <laughs> We didn't even think we'd be here, though. So, uh, you know, going back just a few months ago, we were already talking about uh, off-season plans. And so yeah. um, it's pretty cool to be seeing this. Uh, really want to get started with uh, with our talk here. Uh, just talking about um, yesterday's uh, double overtime win, um, back-to-back double overtime wins. Where, for you, where does it rank is in all-time exciting playoff wins for the Preds? Because a lot of people like to talk about the 2016 uh, San Jose Sharks when they beat the San Jose Sharks with Mike Fisher in triple overtime. Because I just kind of want to get your thoughts overall on how exciting that game was and just everything like that. Yeah, uh, um, you know that they're thrillers certainly, and and yeah, you know the Mike Fisher one, uh, you know, comes to mind uh, most readily. But you know, I think what what separates this from from everything else is is of course the the back to back variety, and and not only back to back but when you consider that one game you know was was played at night and the next game they're starting at at 132 you're cramming it it wound up being you know over three hours or excuse me over three regulation games uh into into 48 hours that's wow so it really is it's just a you know spectacular uh effort by by these guys out there and and yeah, for not only the one game uh, to go multiple overtimes, but two uh, to go in, in such quick fashion like that. And, you know, I, I think what adds to it also is the the return of the fans, too, you know, in, in such numbers. Um, you know, the, the Preds had the biggest NHL crowd of the season on, on Friday night with over 12,000, had another one there on, on Sunday with over 12,000. And I think that just added – you know, that much more that everybody is back together again. You know, yeah. not, not everybody, 70% or so. Um, but, but, you know, the volume and the excitement. You got Taylor Lewan, Justin <laughs> years again out there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it was, uh, you know, maybe I'm uh, um, leaning towards uh, more recency here. But those back-to-back games are about as good as it gets for uh, for playoff excitement here. And it's not a Preds playoff home game without Taylor Lewan and Titans offensive <laughs> lineman um, chugging beers on the on the uh, jumbotron. So uh, for sure, that was uh, that was pretty hilarious to see from uh, Taylor Lewan there. Uh, okay, so let's talk about uh, we got to talk about UC Soros here. I mean, we'd be this would be blasphemy talking about Preds playoffs and not talking about uh, UC Soros right now. This guy is just on another level. He's been doing it ever since the Preds went on this hot streak, as we as we all know. And so, uh, you know, yesterday he put out 58 saves 
which I believe is a new playoff record for franchise uh, mm-hmm. past Dan Dan Ellis on that on that mark. And yep. so that's pretty cool to see. So just give us your thoughts on UC Soros right now. Just put it into put it into perspective for us what we're seeing right now from UC Soros on an historic level. Yeah, well, it's interesting. You, you mentioned that the uh, the records that puts a little bit of in perspective right there. You know, he actually broke Dan Ellis's record on on Friday night okay. uh, with multiple saves, but it didn't last very long uh, yeah. because he broke it again. Broke on, his own uh, record on, on Sunday, exactly. Yeah, with the fifty eight saves. So I think you know you you can go uh, uh, no further than uh, UC Saros when it comes to the biggest reason uh, the Preds have won the last two games. And it's a little unusual, uh, you know, someone might say, geez, you know, th- this guy's given up seven goals in, in a couple of games. How can he be the, the biggest reason? But uh, again, you look at the volume that he is facing, how often uh, over a two-game period uh, can you see a goalie give up seven goals and still have a 940 save percentage? <laughs> uh, um, it's, it's just yeah. crazy. Um, and, you know, I, I think what we see increasingly is, is the kind of the trademark of UC Saros, and that is his, his speed in the crease, just side to side. You know, uh, Carolina really moves the puck well, I think especially on the power play when you watch them. That, that puck is flying all over the place. It's going cross ice on a regular basis. Uh, but they can't uh, seem to, to beat uh, UC Saros on any kind of a regular basis. And I think, you know, he is as quick. Uh, from post to post as any goalie in the league uh, and and always manages to get squared up in, in front of shots. So, you know, I, I think in order to steal a series from a better team, and I don't think many people would argue that, that Carolina is a better overall team than the Preds, you have to get something uh, along the lines of what UC Saros is delivering in goal for the Preds. You know, and once you do that, once you once he's cleaning up a lot of mistakes, um, making you feel better about yourself, uh, you know, as, as a player, uh, that's that's a big step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Totally agree on that. And to speak to that, I think it's fair to say, let's see if you agree with me on this. If it, if we were getting ordinary goaltending right now, just ordinary from like, you know, just an average goaltender, we're, we're maybe looking at the Hurricanes scoring five to six goals per game right now in this series. Possibly we're even being swept. I hate to be negative and think that way, but we got to be realistic here. And so, UC Soros is absolutely doing everything he can do to, like we just said, steal this series. And so now we're going back to Carolina with the chance. And I always, you know, most people always say the series doesn't really change until the road <laughs> team, you know, breaks the serve or whatever. And so the Preds have a chance to do that. And in games one and in games two, they were in it going into the third period. So let's see if they can carry this momentum into Carolina uh, for game five. All right, let's see what I got next year. Okay, so speaking of that. Um, you know, it was it was criticized by a lot of people that the uh, Preds were pretty much uh, non-participants at the trade deadline. And uh, a lot of that was, uh, let's keep this team together and let's make a run to the playoffs because the team was in the middle of a hot streak when the deadline came. So they decided to pretty much, except for getting Eric Branson, they decided to pretty much stay with what they have. And that got criticized by a lot of people because we're, we're trying to think about reinvesting in the long-term future of this franchise. And so my question for you, John is in your opinion, how far would the Preds have to go to justify, okay, that was worth it. It was, we kept the team together. We went this far. It was fine. They made it, they made a good run. I I can live with not doing what we maybe needed to do at the trade deadline. Yeah. I I was certainly uh, someone myself, uh, you know, who raised questions at the trade deadline over, over not selling uh, in that situation. You know, you, you looked at, uh, two teams uh, that, that were, you know, neck and neck uh, competing for that last playoff spot of Chicago and Nashville. Uh, certainly Chicago had been faltering uh, at that mm-hmm. point, uh, but they went in the opposite direction. They said, okay, it's time to regroup. We're going to get draft picks. We're going to get young prospects. And sure enough, they, they slipped out of contention. The Predators went in, in the opposite direction and said, no, no, we're, we're playing well. We're, uh, we're rolling here. We're, we're going to, uh, you know, keep going strong and, uh, you know, the, the good thing is they didn't mortgage the future anymore, which I, I certainly think would have been the, the bad move. But they kept things together. Then, you know, uh, probably just a, a week or two before the postseason, it looked as if they still might not make the playoffs. You know, Dallas yeah. came very close, of course, to to edging them out at, at one point. Uh, and certainly that would have been a colossal failure. That would have been. Uh, you that know. Would have been- <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have been the worst. Um 
You know, and I think also if they had just gotten into this series and gotten pummeled by Carolina, which was entirely possible, you know, I I think certainly there there would have been criticism over what they did at the trade deadline. If Carolina sweeps them or or wins in in five and it's really no contest and you say, what what were you thinking? Because you Mm -hmm. had been losing to Carolina and Tampa and Florida all season anyway. What made you think it would be any different uh, in the playoffs? But Honestly, you know, maybe I'm, I'm setting the bar too low for, for this group, but I, I feel honestly right now that, I mean, the series is going to go at least six games. It's against a much better team. They have acquitted themselves well, you know, assuming they don't fall apart uh, in the in the last, uh, you know, I guess what could be a minimum of, of two games anyway. I'm okay uh, at this point, even if they don't win uh, this round in the uh, in the playoffs. I think David Poyle proved his point that at least this team could be competitive uh, in the playoffs if they stuck with the group that they had. And I think he also realized, uh, came to realize that this core is maybe a little bit better than he thought it would be, and a lot of us thought it would be you know, uh, maybe midway through the season uh, and that there doesn't have to be necessarily the huge overhaul that that maybe a lot of us thought was going to happen and that some of these younger guys are playing in in higher and better roles than I thought we uh, than I than we thought that we would see. Uh, You know, I guess Alexander Carrier is is a guy that comes to mind, you know, who was sort of seemingly stuck in Milwaukee for the, for the longest time and then started getting some more and more ice time. And, you know, now he's a top four defenseman, uh, you know, on, on a playoff team while Dante Fabro is, is sitting. Um, so that, that kind of example, I think shows that this team is, is again, maybe better than we thought overall and doesn't necessarily need the huge overhaul that looked like it was going to be necessary, you know, midway through the season. Yeah. And it was re- it's been really refreshing uh, to um, see some of these other players, uh, these 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 top veterans, uh, step up after games one and two. They were under a lot of criticism, and they've uh, two games back in Nashville. Let's give them credit; they stood up. Matt Duchesne scored the game winner. Has played really well on the top line. Uh, Ryan Johansson looks like a an old like an old school uh, Ryan Johansson um, yesterday. So uh, it's been really great to uh, see this. Uh, develop and to tie this series and see this whole team come together like they like they have, and they got it appears they've uh, they're playing for each other and they're playing for the the common goal of the of the team to win and you know there's it's it's a, it's a refreshing thing to see. Uh, we're being joined by John Glennon who covers the Predators and the Tennessee Titans for Broadway Sports, so go follow all of his work. And he's uh, uh we're really just really uh, happy to have him on the podcast here. Got uh, one more uh, question for you. I could really talk Preds hockey with you for hours and hours, but I know you don't got the time for that. <laughs> uh, Glennon's actually about to jump on uh, 104.5 The Zone to do a segment as well. So go l- listen to 104.5 The Zone as well for that, all that good stuff. Uh, okay, so here's what I got for you. When the offseason does get here, whenever that, hopefully it's not for a little bit longer, but when the <laughs> offseason does get here, um, of course, we got this expansion draft looming, and uh, odds are we're going to lose somebody really uh, important, someone we care about. And so who's kind of like on your radar of players where you're like, okay, I'm realistically kind of worried that this player could be wearing a Seattle Kraken jersey next season? Yeah, boy, it's it's uh, it's, it's really tough to, uh, to, to pin that down because, you know, as the season has gone on, uh, you know, guys that you thought would, would definitely be in that pool – you know, all of a sudden started playing better and, and worked their way out and, and other guys slumped. You know, I see, I still think certainly, you know, you have to look at the possibility of either uh, a Johansson or, or a Duchesne. And, and I say that, as, as you mentioned, these guys have really picked it up uh, the last two games uh, after getting yanked off the, uh, the power play. You know, I, I think you wound up with a couple of very motivated guys and that line is, I think came up with four goals and two assists over the weekend mm-hmm. in, the, in the two games. So uh, credit to them, but still the length of their, their contracts, the, the amount that they're making, the age that they are and, you know, the decline in production, all those things, you know, makes you at least wonder, you know, uh, could they be available? And if so, you know, maybe what would the predators have to add um, to sweeten the pot, you know, given the length of these contracts, you know, for Seattle to uh, to to grab one of them and and uh, sort of, 
you hate to say it, but but take those contracts off the predator's hands. Mm. Um, you know, an, another one that that comes to mind now that you know certainly much more than before is Dante Fabro. Uh, um, you know, and that's that's kind of a surprise certainly because you got a young uh, defenseman with some talent, and he's a, a former first round pick certainly who seemed to have worked himself into the top four. But this is four games into the playoffs, and he hasn't played you know a single moment on the ice, and Alexander Carrier has as you know, pretty clearly leapfrogged him, uh, you know, on the on the depth chart. So if you expose, you know, a Dante Fabro, you know, that, that allows you to uh, to keep some of your other uh, top flight guys and, and you know, maybe a, a Seattle Kraken team saying, hey, that's, you know, that's a guy with a lot of upside, you know, we can we can grab him. So, again, uh, you know, when you look at Fabro, granted, he just came back from injury, you know, near the end of the regular season, and perhaps that that plays a part. In, in him not playing in the postseason so far. But at the same time, you would think, you know, if, if he is um, that, if he is, is good enough and, and, and he is certainly rested, uh, you'd think he would be out there at this point, even on a, on a third pairing. And we haven't even seen him on the, uh, on the third pair. So that, to me, raises that, that question a little bit as well. Yeah, you're actually seeing, um, you know, Ben Harper out there instead. Uh, which is kind of surprising. I think that's what people are surprised about is seeing Ben Harper in over Fabro. We all know Alex, Alexander Carrier has earned his right to be in that lineup. But um, is it, going back to the expansion draft, um, I think we would like, as much as Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson are both playing very well and it would be tough to see them go, I think that would be the most uh, desirable outcome because then you could get move away from those contracts. Uh, but I'm also a little worried that we could lose someone like maybe even Luke Cunning. Maybe we could lose. Like, I mean, there's a lot of different players that the Preds could lose here. So I just yeah. kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that. And uh, but we don't have to think about expansion draft right now. Let's let's, let's put that on the back burner because we got we got playoff <laughs> games here to be talking about. Uh, John Glennon, thank you so much for uh, joining us. It's been a pleasure. We really appreciate it. Uh, go follow uh, John Glennon at Glennon Sports uh, for all of his uh, Preds, Preds reporting and also his work covering the Titans as well. Uh, thank you so much. This has been episode 47 of the Catfish on Ice podcast presented by DraftKings. We will see you uh, later on this week for episode 48. the tip of the iceberg podcast here on the hockey podcast network my co-host nick horwatt and i talk all things pittsburgh penguins from top news to game analysis and other unconventional hockey talk we've got you covered new episodes every monday tune in at the hockey podcast network.com or wherever you get your podcast from and let's go pens